Constructing your life is about much more than just building a bank account. Each week, join real estate entrepreneur and mindset coach Austin Linney as he interviews guests who are constructing their dream lives and impacting the world around them on a daily basis. If you're an entrepreneur or wanting to start a business, or you just want to hear motivating stories of how others have overcome the odds, you are in the right place. And now for your host, Austin Linney. Guys, welcome back to Construct Your Life. Guys, we have her. She's my favorite human in the world, ever. She's, you know what? Here, here's what I'll start off before you tell your story. There are people that when you leave them, they leave you better. Okay. And I really like to spend time with people like that. And she's one of those people. So we have Rachel here. How are you? God, Austin, that was so sweet. You know, we feel that way about you too. I only hang around people like that now. That's like totally my radar for the people. I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm 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 great. It's a it's a busy day. It's a good day. I I have Lizanne after you. I'm I'm super excited. From I don't know if you know her from Inlifted, but she was one of the coaches in our group. She's amazing. But uh, you know, you have a very and I don't know too much about it, but um. You have an interesting story and, you know, I think you started off pretty young, not like others. So I'm interested for you to kind of tell the audience your story and stuff like that. So I'll let you start where you want to. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll just start with my story where it starts at nine years old. And I'll say my takeaways from this story too, which is and I'm going to preface by saying, I believe anything is possible for anyone and that you can live multiple life lifetimes and be a completely different person in those different lifetimes. And the reason I say that is because when I was nine years old, I was obese. I didn't talk. Um, I remember being in elementary school in classrooms and people, People would talk at recess. People would talk to each other, play like normal kids running around screaming. And I was just silent, felt like I didn't have energy, likely because I was so anxious that that was using all of my energy. And I just didn't know how to engage with others. I'd go home, closet eat. And I remember I just didn't know why I was different than other kids. And I found this cassette tape, which is so random of this weight loss camp in New York city. No, not New York city in the Catskills in New York. My parents had a bunch of sleepaway cassette tapes. I think it's because we're Jewish and it's like a Jewish thing to eventually send your kids to sleepaway camp. Um, and so I found this tape where it said, if you go, you'll lose 20 pounds in six weeks. And so I begged my parents to let me go. They weren't the ones who asked me to, I begged them. They said, yes, I went for six weeks and I lost 23 pounds And the circumstances for me going to that weight loss camp were different than the other kids. Their parents were making them go. I came because I wanted to go. And I also didn't like, so I worked really hard. So when they had exercise classes, I was going balls to the wall at nine years old, knowing that this was my path. Uh, But I also didn't eat much food because I didn't like the food that they had. And then I lost weight faster than the other kids. And what that taught me was, oh, you can lose weight faster if you eat less food. And at the same time, I did make friends at this camp because there was a bunch of kids who were similar to me. So I could relate with them more. So then I also correlated losing weight with making friends. And so I spent the next 16 years staying up until 3 a.m. researching different diets, ways to stay skinny, 
because that to me was the path to being a normal person, the path to having friends. I ended up getting my degree in nutrition and dietetics when I went to college, thinking that I was going to finally learn the secret to not having to work so hard at this, not having to think so hard about it and stress myself out about it so much so that I could just live in peace. Now, college, like, Drop me to my second rock bottom. I would say nine years old when I went to weight loss camp was my first one. And it was a second rock bottom because what I found out was, oh, I could learn everything about digestion. I could learn everything about the way the human body interacts with food, what nutrients it needs, everything. And I will still be stressed about this because I'm thinking about it too hard. And I got to this point where I just didn't care anymore. I didn't want to research it anymore because when you spend that much time researching from like that year, like nine years old to around 20 years old or 21 years old, and then you go to school for it, you kind of peter out on wanting to know anything more about it. So I just stopped. It was, I just stopped learning and I decided to just go back to the basics and I switched to eating more organic foods, eating whole foods. Um, I started off paleo, but I eventually started adding in foods as I noticed which foods felt good, which didn't feel good. And I, it was the first time ever that I stopped being as much in my left brain, which is thinking logical of all the facts, all the things I need to do, um, to be a certain size and started feeling into what foods made me feel good. And instead of looking at calories, I was looking at how do I feel? Am I full? Am I still hungry? Um, and just tapping more into my body. And then slowly over time, I stopped thinking about like my body because my body just maintained this weight that I always wanted it to be through me feeling into the food, through me just nourishing myself and providing as many nutrients as possible. And that's when I quote unquote found food freedom. I didn't even know that's what happened. I found that out when I first got into coaching and there's all these intuitive eating coaches and they're like food freedom, this, like you can get to this place. And I realized, oh crap, that's what I did. I just gave up on dieting, started eating really well. Now I have more energy than I ever have in my whole life, even more than when I was a little, little kid. And I feel more confident too, because I can feel strong inside my body. And I, I can trust myself more now because I'm not thinking about what to eat. I'm feeling into what I wanted to eat. I would imagine how foods would feel in my body before I would eat them. And that's how I started building self-trust. And so I would say that was my first notch in my belt to realizing I can one, trust myself, but two, that I can change that anything was possible, that the thing I was seeking for 16 years, like was here and I got there. So I still had a lot of social anxiety at that point, a lot of anxiety in general. And cause that was the root problem, right. To all of this. And so I started doing meditation courses and that helped a little bit. I would meditate a couple of times a day and I started journaling a little bit, but didn't get too far into it. And just constantly trying to work on myself with affirmations. And then I took, then COVID came and I hit another rock bottom because I was in cannabis at the time, um, which I'm going to shorten the story by saying the way I got into cannabis was learning to trust myself through food first. So I always had a passion in cannabis and I said, screw making money. I'm just going to get into cannabis. That's how I met Ryan actually at my first job. And, uh, 
ended up leaving cannabis after three years because it stopped being fulfilling to me. And I learned over the course of my life that when you're not fulfilled, when something feels like a drag every day, that's your signal that it's you're out of alignment and it's time to move. So I was seeking for that next hit of inspiration. And when COVID hit, I had been sleeping an hour to four hours a night because uh, I was so miserable at my job. And I used COVID as my excuse to leave. And then I saw Mark England, as you know, the language guys certification, got into doing that with mindset work. And I remember one day I was taking a walk around my block, paying attention to my language, my thoughts. And I was in this negative thought spiral telling myself what a crap person I am. What am I going to do? I don't have a job now. Like you need to make money. Like what's going to happen? And I remember just stopping myself mid thought. And I shifted my thoughts for the first time in my life using Mark's uh, language that I learned from him. So instead of saying, I can't do something, I was switching it to, I can, I was breathing, I was feeling it in my body. And so that was a second piece of proof for me throughout my whole life that I am strong enough to change. And I'm strong enough to change not only my body, my physical health, but my thoughts. And then that just spawned off into so much more where I, I also had a lot of abandonment issues from women when I was younger because the only two friends I had when I was nine ditched me. So I'd always had a fear of women. And I attended my first woman's retreat through meeting them through my first coaching program. And that slowly debunked a lot of my beliefs I had around women, that they were scary, uh, that were they were catty, that they would judge me, that they would abandon me. And I started attending more and more women's retreats. And they changed my life, did more and more coaching programs that changed my life since that first one changed my mindset so quickly. And then I became so passionate about women's retreats that I went on to host my first women's retreat. And now I'm on my third one and they're super successful. And it's all because I believe that I've continuously worked on my mindset through learning more about more about coaching, but also becoming my own coach. And I'm a coach. And so one thing I learned was when I'm like, I can coach other people, but I can also coach myself. And so, yeah, I'm a completely different person than I was when I was nine. I do feel like I lived two lifetimes. I'm very confident now. I know how to change my thoughts. I know how much my thoughts create my reality. I have complete food freedom. I have complete self-love. Um, I understand how to show compassion for myself and not beat myself up when I do go into old patterns. And that also has been super rewarding. So that's that's been my whole journey, going from shy, quiet, um, super like unconfident little girl to very confident having my own business, running re women's retreats, having food freedom. So much good stuff in there and <laughs> in the big journey, but I'm actually going to go in a different direction. So I think one of the bigger issues and in, in, in something that's there that I think is a real problem in America, especially is we don't allow ourselves any time to be ourselves. And what I mean by that is you, you, you quit the job because of COVID and then the, what most people would think is I got to find another job right away instead of like, I don't know, taking five seconds with yourself and kind of like, you know, being happy. Like, and I think one of the bigger issues that I really impart on people is like, you have to have these anchor moments when you know the person, you're not going to be that person anymore. 
Like when you left cannabis space, that, that was a part of you, but it, moving forward, it's not really defined you. And I think if you don't have those anchor moments and you're not celebrating or, or, or owning that time and space, then you don't, it's really just a fog. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree with you. So that's partly why I believe I've lived so many lifetimes is because at one point I did see myself as the cannabis person and I did grow. I thought that was going to be my forever job. Right. And I also agree that it's important to have time to just be happy because if I didn't allow myself to do that after getting out of cannabis, if my focus wasn't to just work on myself, then I probably would have skipped over all of my feelings, not truly listened to myself and I wouldn't be where I am today. So I totally agree. It's about going inwards in those times. So in the last two days, um, because apparently I have a death wish, um, Chase has started training me and oh, I'm helping him with an invest. Oh yeah. I can barely sit down right now. So, uh, which is great. I love it. I'm excited. Cause I'm in a different arena. Like we're going up another notch. Right. And I think that I look at my client base and, you know, a lot of those guys health wise is something that they, they approach me a lot about too. What do you think, what do you think people are getting wrong when it comes, you know, like you said that you just got to a point where you're like, Hey, I'm not going to do all this stuff anymore. And I'm just going to start eating towards, you know, and to be honest with you, it's one of the ways I got sober and, and I lost all my weight. I didn't, I threw the scale out and I'm like, no, I just feel good. I'm just going to chase feeling good. Like, what do you think people are getting wrong when it comes to all these programs and the right shoes and all this bullshit about these fucking diets? They're doing it for the wrong reason. They're doing it for the end result instead of the process. And like you said, being happy along the way. So one thing that even though I found food freedom, one thing that I don't talk about a lot is I started working out every day at 15 years old and it used to be motivated by having a skinny body. And now it's motivated by feeling strong, like being able to lift heavy things, being able to walk or hike long distances, being able to do more things because I internally feel strong. And I believe that when, um, you just start focusing on the inside, like you were saying, how you want to feel. That's when you manifest the things on the outside. You know, mm-hmm. you get what I'm saying? Well, I think what's interesting, right? And I'm curious if people said the same thing to you. Like they see like people like you or like people that other coaches and stuff, like when they see my before and after picture, like 70 pounds lighter, like you would think that the first thing they would say was like, oh man, you look good. But that's not what they say. They say, oh man, you look happy. Like your your face looks different. Like, and and what what it realizes, I changed the inside and then the outside changed, not the other way around. I think a lot of people try to change the outside to change the inside. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't because I mean, just think about it. If there's anyone listening who's been on a diet and then achieved the results they wanted. And I'm willing to bet there was a part of you that was happy externally. You looked good, but something felt like it was missing and you couldn't put your finger on it. And then you ended up gaining the weight back because there's something inside that's missing. And your inside is where you build that internal strength. I totally agree with you. And that was likely the biggest mindset shift I've had in my life is how important it is to actually work on how you want to feel inside to achieve anything. Mm-hmm. So somebody is, let's just say they're in a job they don't like, 
they're maybe a little overweight, what's the first step? Hmm. I always work on mindset with people first because like when you're building a house, you can't build a house without a firm foundation. And if you're constantly beating yourself up all the time or not understanding how to feel your emotions, you're constantly stuffing your emotions, you're not checking in with how you feel, not checking in with how you want to feel, um, that is, that's going to affect everything else you do. So when you start a changing, like addressing the core internal struggle, the core internal beliefs, like we just said, it then outwardly shines to everything else that they do. They might even end up thinking of it as their idea to, to get up at 5am to work out without me even talking about it with them because they started feeling so good on the inside. They were inspired to, or maybe they were like, I feel so I'm, I'm starting to feel good. Like if I was strong, what would I do? I would wake up at 5am and then they try it. Right. Cause they're motivated too. It wasn't me telling them what they should do, what they should be motivated to do. It was them getting the motivation through inspiration because they have that um, that solid foundation. They know how to work on their mindset. Does that make sense? hundred mm-hmm, percent. And so, you know, like, honestly, I know a lot of people have thought about starting a podcast or, or, or coaching people or, you know, starting that new business or something like who the hell did you think you were to host an event? And then how nervous were you when you started it? Cause I'm going through my first real paid one right now. And it's like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love it. We just got the video for the promo reel and I'm like, fuck, yeah, that's tits. But it's still like, are people going to buy tickets? You know, like, how did you, what, how did that happen? Did you go to other events and you were like, man, I got to do this myself or like, you know, how did that happen? It was, I would say, well, going back to, I had so much inspiration within me that it leached out into me hosting my first event because I had been to so many women's retreats. And retreats had changed my life so much so quickly because you're immersed in an energy with other people. And some people are at higher levels than you. And when you're around them, you end up, you you step up to their level naturally without even trying because you're, you're feeling them, you're seeing them. And so I'd been to so many women's retreats that I knew what I loved about them. I knew the things that I didn't like as much about some of them. Um, I had a bit, a lot of experience with them. And if I were to create my perfect woman's retreat, what would it look like? And actually when I first decided to do this, I was at Mark, Mark England's house and going back to Mark England, who was my first coaching program. And, um, I had just seen a psychic who told me about my past life and what I did in my past life. And she told me that I traveled around a bunch of different townships, setting up schools and institutions and art schools, and that I was going through my past life again this past year. And it resonated. So I took what she said and was like, that means I can run retreats because I did that in my past life. (laughs) So I was already inspired to, I wrote about it in past tense. So I wrote about my first treat retreat before it happened, but I wrote about it as if it had already happened a year ago. Mm -hmm. And I read my whole 
caption my whole story of what happened to as many people as I could. And I breathed after each line and I felt it in my body. And I just kept growing the imagination and the belief. And then I got so excited about it that when I got home from Mark's house, I immediately booked the Airbnb house. I didn't really even, it was like all the money I had to invest into this place at the time. And then I was just still so excited that I started reaching out to everyone I had met this past year and told them about how excited I am about my retreat and how we're going to do this and that. And I got a few, and then I got a few signups and then I went to I was in yoga teacher training at the time and I was doing a couple other programs and I went to them. It was like, Oh my God, I'm so excited. Women's retreats have changed my life so much. And I'm making the best one ever. And I was just telling everyone and their mother about my vision and how excited I am for this retreat. And literally within a month and a half, I had it all filled 14 people and I had everything set up and it's really, I a hundred percent believe this is why. Cause at the time I had four one-on-one clients. How was I expected to fill a 14 person retreat? It was because I was so excited and I believed in the retreat itself so much. And like I said, it all goes back to the inside out, what you believe, what you're feeling. Um, that that's why I believe it happened so quickly is because of how much feeling and inspiration I felt. Yeah. And one of the things I'm dealing with, so I've hosted three events. They've all been free. I have a hard time. Like I'm not the nicest person to be around during before and during the event, because I really want to, I'm really like, I really care that everybody has a great time. And like, you know, last time in Nashville, we had some things that came up last minute that kind of threw us for a loop. You know, it's a little hard to do events right now with everything that's going on. So you get a lot of loops thrown in your way. And, you know, my buddy's a girlfriend was like, you're really a pill to deal with right now. And and I was like, no, I agree. But like the moment that it was over, I was like, good. You know, it's just because I, I care, you know, people flew out. It's a big deal, you know, like spend money. So how do you, do you enjoy yourself during the event? Or, or are you kind of like high stressed and making sure that everything's going off without a hitch? Um. Well, I'm also going to say that during the month when I was excited, I also was pooping my pants at the same time. And like, it was a mixture of both. So I do have to say that. So if anyone, like, there's definitely fears there and definitely the day before the retreat, I had a mix of excitement and pooping my pants. Like, (laughs) um, I, I prepped so much before I just thought constantly about how to make it as perfect as possible. What else could I add? What else could be this, that to my, I was obsessed. I get, I get borderline obsessed about things, which I believe is a double-edged sword where you end up manifesting it into reality, but also it's a lot on the nervous system. So at my first retreat, I took it upon myself to be everyone's best friend and make everyone have the best transformation ever. And so I definitely overextend my energy when I'm there, but I also keep telling myself how fun this is and how amazing this is. So it's more so like I'm happy social, trying to make sure everyone has the best uh, day possible Mm -hmm. because I consider myself a very highly sensitive person. That's why I believe that I didn't talk as a kid. I I was overwhelmed by a lot of energy, but now I can almost tap into people's energy in a good way and really understand where they're at. And so I almost think I give too much of my energy away at retreats. Mm -hmm. Um, 
like going around everyone and making sure I talk to everyone. And one thing that I've been working on is spending more, like taking more time for myself and uh, protecting my energy because I'll end up having to take a sleeping pill at night to go to sleep because I'm so hyped up on everyone's energy. I don't know if that answers your question. No, it does. I have a little (laughs) hack for everybody. And if you see me at an event, I know that I'm doing it. So I learned this from a very successful guy that's a friend of mine. Uh, Let's say there's an event or a convention or something. Before I go to the convention, there's a list of the people that are going to join. So I earmark the people that I want to talk to. And once I've talked to those people, I leave the event. Because you could just talk to 100 people, but what's that going to do for you? But I have a strategic plan going into it. And then when I'm done, I'm out. And it's just one of those things that I've done that's like super important because like, you know, the energy that you bring to the table is super important. And um, it's really hard for me because, you know, you want to be at everything you want to, you know, you want to help, you want to do these things, but uh, you know, like, I'll be honest with you. Like I'm so busy with coaching and the podcast and my work. Like I'm not the greatest human to be around right now when it's just normal time like meaning like hanging out with friends and stuff. Cause I, I, I don't really care to be honest with you. Like, and I know that sounds like mean or anything, but it's not mean. It's just meaning that like, there's a lot going on right now. And I want to support the people that I'm in business with. Cause that's, you know, super important to me and it's important to their families and stuff. So I'm really trying to be careful with that extra stuff I'm doing because I'm just not, I'm not mentally, and I'm not saying it's perfect, but I'm just not mentally there right now. I totally feel you and agree with you. That's why every retreat I've been taking more conscious time. So at my last one, after I, let's say, led a workshop that we're going to be doing, I would purposefully go back to my room, lay on my bed and put my hand on my heart and my other hand on my belly and, and breathe. And because I know that it's most important to show up for them. And like you said, it's also a work in progress that I don't always show up for that perfectly, but that's a really great tip to decide how many people you're going to talk to and then just cutting it off there. Like if I'm doing a, there's two reasons behind one, you're adopting an abundant mind mindset. And then the second is you're protecting your energy. That, yeah. So I totally see that too, because in a way, what you're doing when you're trying to overextend yourself, is coming from an, a scarcity mindset. If it's not enough, I'm not enough. I need to make this enough. Right. So one yeah. of the, one of the ways this started with me was, was, uh, doing an identity workshop and shifting the characters that I was portraying and the character in my twenties, we called him Tasmanian devil. And he was very aggressive and run shit over. And so I adopted a new personality, which was Clint Eastwood uh, with the poncho and the cigar. And people came to him. People wanted to do business with him. He didn't have to run to anybody. And so I started telling myself when I went to events, Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood, and I would just stand in the corner and people would come to me instead of me hunting down everybody. And I'm not, not from an ego place, but just from a pure abundant mindset place. Do you know what this reminds me of? There is a coaching tool that I use on myself all the time and that I use with clients and it's called the model. Have you heard of it? Mm-hmm. So there's different models that we all live in or act in. And so let's say 
the model is usually looking at a circumstance. The circumstance is neutral. So let's say the circumstance is hosting a retreat. And then you're going to put your thoughts. So the thoughts that, let's say the thoughts from my first retreat. So the thoughts from my first retreat is, is this enough? Is it going to be enough? Like, have I done enough? If I got it all covered, are they going to get transformation? Oh, I put so much into this. I hope it goes well. Those are the thoughts. And then you go into the feeling. So what feelings does this create? Uh, anxiety, um, being feeling unsure, overexcitement, which could also feel like anxiety. And then I think about the actions that, that those thoughts and feelings produce. So I write this all on paper. The actions were at my first retreat, I talked to everyone and their mother, was constantly trying to give more and more, exhausting myself, overexerting myself. The results, it was actually an amazing retreat, but I was exhausted by the end of it, right? Instead of energized. So that's one model. Another model, Model. So then let's look at another model of what I'd want to feel like. So the thoughts could be, this is going to be an amazing retreat. I put so much work into this and these girl, these women are going to have incredible transformations. Um, I'm like super, I feel super calm. And then the feelings calm, confident, laid back. The actions would be, I host the retreat, I do my workshops, and then I lay back and I allow people to come to me or whatever. And it creates different results. Does that make sense? No, you're, you're, you're hitting me, right? Because no, this is, this is the transformation in my coaching too. It's not my job to pull you along. You have to join me along in like, I'm a guide. I'm not the hero. Right. And that's been kind of the transformation of my coaching. So this is the same scenario. I provided the venue. I provided this amazing group of human beings here and the setting for the energy and everything. Now it's up to you to join us halfway. And, and, and but, but here's the thing. You as the coach or the host or the event, you have to detach yourself from you having to be the cause of their outcome. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard for people. Yeah, but it's also continued awareness. That's where I find writing down. This is something I do multiple times per day, especially when I'm trying to change a belief, change a way of being is I constantly assess what, what act, like, why am I taking these actions? What thoughts and feelings are they coming from? And are they in alignment with the model that I'm looking to step Mm -hmm. into? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not an easy thing to do, but you're right. That is what you described is the person that I am heading towards. Well, there's no chance. And and I'm not saying this just for fucking to blow smoke up your whatever. Like I really believe that you'll be one of the biggest women coaches on the planet. And the reason is, is because the self-awareness of owning where you are in the moment. And I think a lot of people are trying to own where they're going. And that is a fake version of yourself because if you're really rooted in who you are, then you're constantly moving towards that person. And it's, it's, it's this, it's this, I find so much joy in the absolutely insanity that I have created in my mind of the empire that I'm building. And the fact is I have no idea how any of it's going to happen, but I love every motherfucking day. And that's because I fully am so fucking happy that I'm sober and in a great relationship and I get to do what I want to. And don't get me wrong. I still bitch and moan about some certain things, 
But then Cassie's like, hey, um, you make your schedule, get your shit together, you know? And it's like, but that's what I love about you and Ryan is like, there's all these things that we want to do and we will get there, but we own so much of who we are right now in this moment that we're this much better than we were yesterday. Yes. Oh, I love what you just said. Also, you're the freaking best. I love you, Austin. Thank you for always be like really seeing me and also being one of my biggest supporters I've ever heard of. So <laughs> thank you for that. You're amazing. Takes one to no one. I have to say that. Uh, but you're right. It's about presence. It's all coming back to presence, the present moment, enjoying the process, tapping into the here and now and how you feel now, because the more you look for the end result, same thing with dieting, you're just going to keep running in the same loop and you're actually going to lose efficiency. People think by problem solving, by staying in their head and just constantly thinking about the right things to do, the right way to get there. That's how they're going to somehow crack the code. No, it's constantly, like you just said, tapping back into presence, the present moment. Well, I think, you know, I, I, you know, I coach a lot of people in real estate. I think I, they, they get this, they get in that exactly what you said they get in that loop all the time and i and and they're like okay like here's my joke this is my favorite joke like personal development can get too personal sometimes like sometimes it's just like hey i don't fucking give a shit i don't want to be good today you know and like they think that i'm just like this fucking machine that i just want to do this every day no but most of the time when i'm not here's the thing when i'm not creative that's when i know shit's not working and so what I do is I make them read a book called Big Magic about like art and fucking, you know, joy. And they're like, why the fuck are you making me read this? I want to learn about multifamily real estate. And I'm like, because you never watched this movie. Trust me, you never watched this movie. But there's this movie called Tin Cup. And it's he's a he's a golf guy out of Texas. It's a really good movie. I've seen it a million times. But long story short. Cheech is the fucking golf caddy in this movie and he can't play golf because he's thinking about this woman. And so what he does, he's playing this big tournament and he gets him to turn his hat around backwards and stuff his pants and his socks. And he moves his quarter over to his right pocket and he does all, and he sticks a tear behind his ear and he goes, what the fuck are you making me do? And he goes, I'm making you think about anything else than you were thinking about. And he messes with his mind so much that he goes and plays and hits the ball perfectly. And so 90% of time, when you're trying to get somewhere, you're trying to do something, it's because you're forcing it instead of surrendering to the fact that you actually have no fucking control over what's going to happen, but you have a control of how you show up. And so simplicity, I think, is the key to everything. And that's where I'm getting with my coaching is, okay, you got all these goals, but let's talk about the two things this week that can, you can crush and let's go crush those. Yeah, I yes, that I love so, so much. And I'm a huge believer in all of that, that whole freaking concept, because people think that the more that they, like you just said, steal their wins, like uh, spin their wheels, they're going to freaking get there. And it even happens with new coaches I see who are trying to make oh, their God. program. And they're like, okay, step by step. How did I get here? What did I do? Did I do that? Did I do this? How do I teach this person? How could I help this person? I don't even know how I got here. And it's because 
it's not a knowledge thing of how you got there. Yeah, there's general things you did, but really what you did was you kept in belief, you kept trying, and then your own path revealed itself. Everyone has their own path, their own creativity that has to come from within. And it's from that inner perspective that you're going to learn how to get to the end result. And that's why I believe all good coaches guide you to tapping into what you your inner self needs to do. Dude, I'll give you a perfect example. Okay. And I just told my client this morning, thank God I'm your coach. Okay. So in the last three weeks, he launched a course that didn't do good. He fired nine people, his entire staff. And now he's going in an entirely different direction, right? Which I'm okay with all of it. Okay. Okay. It's been a big shift in the last three weeks. But if I was some by the box coaching, they would go, I don't even know how to coach you now. And all I'm saying is, hey, dude, I'm with it. I support you. I'm here for the next rodeo. Let's go reconstruct your life the way you want to. Call it a day. Now, if I needed to be the one that was right, then I needed him to build this ridiculous business and it made me look good. I don't give a fuck. Are you happy? Yeah, it makes me happy as fuck. Okay, great. We're good. Let's go. You know, and I think... I think that you don't know, talking to coaches here, anybody that's a coach, you don't know who you are until you coach, okay? So what we actually have, a joy, is, yeah, I have a coach, but I don't really need one because I have 16 coaches because working through their problem makes me see my problem and go, okay, right? And I don't know if, I don't know if I've ever described this to you, and I haven't told, I've told a couple people. And this is the way I operate. I've only heard one other person say that they operate this way. And it wasn't somebody that I thought would say it. So it was really took me aback when I heard it. Like, I was like, oh my God, that's, I, my whole life, I felt that way. So the way I view myself is you have me, this is me. My consciousness is walking next to me. And so at all times, while we're having this conversation, I'm hanging out with you, I'm self-correcting. And so one of my business partners said, you are, you can change on a dime. So they'll give me feedback at nine o'clock at night. And then the next morning I'm hundred percent different. And they're like, as you're watching them, as they're giving feedback, I'm I'm going, yeah, you know, that could not be that you're right. That's not, I'm not fixated on this is the way. Right. And I think that, one of the things that I think a lot of people do is they're taking the criticism, right. Or the feedback or, and they're internalizing it instead of just saying, okay, thank you. People start blaming themselves. They start thinking about, darn it. I'm not doing this right. I'm not doing that. Right. Of course and not. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, know. it's okay. Yeah. And I think we have to start normalizing that it's actually good to accept that you might not be doing it right. Good to accept your failure. Good. When you start, like for me, for example, if I start thinking negatively during the day, nothing's gone wrong. That's something I always remind myself of Rachel, nothing has gone wrong. You're exactly where you need to be. And it's just acknowledging and accepting that allows me to move through because it just goes down a negative spiral otherwise. Okay. So I got an interesting question for you. 
Mindbender. So where does Rachel need to be five years from now? So I've been thinking a lot about this recently. It's funny you said that. I see myself owning multiple properties or having partnerships with people where I do retreats around the country. And then I have group coaching programs as well. Right now I'm just doing one-on-one coaching. I do have a group for my current retreat because we're doing an online program before the retreat, but I do see myself owning multiple places. I would love to have a place in Sedona because I, I really believe there's something really magical there and how we were just talking about at retreats when you're with a bunch of people and some people are more high level, you take on that energy. There's something about Sedona in general's energy that feels high level that allows people to tap into their feelings, their intuition more because everyone there is doing that. It's just, everyone's on this different wavelength. So I see myself having a place there. Um, I haven't really thought about the other places yet. I'm really big on knowing what I want, but then allowing the rest to unfold as inspiration unfolds. Uh, But yeah, that's where I see myself. Cool. So um, find me the place and my fund will buy it. And there you go. It's done. Yes. I'm I'm not joking. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm dead serious. You can share a treat spot. Yeah. That's how you manifest, folks. Dead serious. <laughs> I'm not joking. We're looking in Arizona right now. I have meetings all next week. I'm dead serious. Well, boom. All right. Let's do it. All right. So five years has now gone down to a two-second plan. We're you want to know my favorite quote from Jim Rome is? You know what the top 1% does that others don't do? What? They ask. I love that. It's true. How does the universe know what you want if you don't fucking say it? How does the universe know what you want if you don't write it down? How does the universe know if you don't? We did a we did a segment on my other podcast about the five pillars to success. And the number one was discipline. But the actual thing that meaned anything was belief. That's what I believe more than anything. And what you were just saying reminds me of this saying my mom always said growing up. And I believe that I live by this. And partly that's what what attributes to my success. And I'm realizing it now that you say this. But the phrase, uh, squeaky wheel gets the oil. I think about that all the time. You know what's a really good one, too? (laughs) My buddy dropped on me. Uh, uh, Big doors swing on small hinges. Ooh, that one's freaking good. That's good for belief because belief really is all you need. And the faster you, need. you can get all you need, and the faster you can get yourself to believe something, it that's how you embody it. And then that's then it shows up. Dude, like, so th- here's a here we'll get a little out there for a minute. So this is this is this is a point of contention for me because it's the truth, and I don't care what people say. Your goals are weak, okay? And the reason your goals are weak is because your goals are only part of who you are looking through the past of who you used to be. And so if you embody who you are completely and your values, energy, and everything in the moment, there is no idea what you can create. So that's partly why I said I don't know where else I'd want to place because I know that it's yet to unfold. <laughs> like Exactly. I- yeah, I would have never guessed that I would have hosted three retreats in my first year of coaching. Mm-hmm. 
I would see, never. And I actually think there's a space that I think that y'all benefit from immensely that you haven't even tapped into yet. I actually think that this world needs it. And I think it's super important. I think that uh, I think a lot more men or women are going to be coaching men and men are going to be coaching women because I think it's the opposite energy that a lot of us lack that we need the perspective. It's interesting you said that because I literally had an enlifted coach reach out who is an amazing coach, does really well for himself. He's a guy and he asked me to coach him. And I thought, what? why you're like, we, we've had conversations. He'll coach me. And I'm, I understand what he's saying, but he said, it's because he wants the feminine energy and you're right. What he was coaching me on was how to tap more into my masculine. And what I can coach him on is how to tap more into his feminine. Mm -hmm. That's why I also see us moving into the age of woman empowerment over the next year, because more men are going to need like to understand feminine flow from women because we're in such a masculine go, go, go structure society. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think, you know, I think that people need to understand that you can, you can move through both of them and, and that's when you become unstoppable. Right. And, you know, one of the greatest compliments I've ever gotten by <laughs> from one of my coaching clients was like in the same sentence, Austin, you can knock me the fuck out and cuddle me. I love that. That review needs to go on all of your copy everywhere. And I was like, that's pretty damn good. I like that. They're like, yeah, you're, you're, you're beating me up. And in the moment that you think I can't beat you up anymore, I let you go. And all I'm trying to get you to do is to shake you loose from the world that you be living in, you know? And I think, you know, my, my hope for everybody out there, whoever listens to this is like, your mediocre life that you're living right now is not good enough. It's not good enough. And the thing is, is you have no idea what the fuck you're capable of until you take that. You want to know how you start one motherfucking step. And then step number two and step number three, and you're on your way. It's usually the scariest step too. Mm -hmm. I agree. All of it's scary. It's, it's super scary, but here's what I do know. And I'm not saying everybody needs to be an entrepreneur, but that freedom can't fucking beat it. man. I control when I make money, where I do it. Like there's nothing better. And yeah, there's still complaints and there's still problems, but those are all self-imposed problems that I could easily make go away if I wanted to. And that's what I just try to remind myself all the time, mm-hmm. you know? And so if people want to find out about your podcast, they want to find out your women's group, how would they do that? My podcast is A to B with Rachel V tap into your feminine power. It's on Apple, Spotify, Google, all the podcast players. And then if you want to connect with all my links to see my next retreat, um, about my one-on-one coaching, you just want to see what I'm up to and 
hear about what I think in my mind, because I share that on social, you can find me on Instagram at Rachel underscore Veritimos. I also have a free Facebook group uh, where I do live trainings every Wednesday and it's a group of women. And it's really all about how to tap into your power, how to tap into self-trust, how to find self-love, body love. And if you're a coach, it's how to become confident in your coaching and to trust yourself and to uh, know how to build your business in the way you want. So all those places. Guys, if you like this episode, send it out to your friends, share it with somebody who gets some value and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Construct Your Life with Austin Lenny. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to start constructing your life by taking immediate action on what you learned. For show notes, resources, and more information on one-on-one coaching with Austin, visit constructyourlifepodcast.com.